On today's show, I have a very special guest, Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan, also the afternoon drive host of the Grant and Danny show that I produce. It's a little weird, but guess what? We're going to talk Nationals baseball, and we're going to talk it all right after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. I've had a ton of fun doing this show, taking my passion for Nationals baseball into podcast form here with the Locked On Podcast Network. And now I bring in Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan, host of the Grant and Danny Show from 2 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can listen on the Odyssey app or truly wherever you find a radio. Grant, what's going on? What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm doing well, man. Let's just pretend we weren't in the same room like two minutes ago and just pretend <laughs> that we haven't talked all day and we're just getting into this Nat stuff, all right? I'm in on that. I've not seen you in so long. It's great to see you on this. It's, uh, it is great. So many buildings away from me. You're definitely so many buildings away. down so the many hall buildings. and like 100 feet from me. They, they'll never know. All right. So actually, I was talking about this um, on last week's show. And I was talking about Josiah Gray and Kiba Ruiz. And I think this 2023 season with them is kind of like a, hey, this is your going to be your second full year going into the pros. You're going to have to make something up here. You're going to have to come in and produce and start to show something. Because last year, between the both of them, you did see it. Some flashes from Josiah Gray. You saw it from Ruiz, especially behind the plate in my mind. But I'm going into this year thinking like, hey, like, it's time to go. Like it's time to start have things click and have things start to progress. What do you think about that? I totally agree with you. Yeah, I, I think last year was perfectly fine from a developmental standpoint. The kind of you know you're on a bad team. It's hard to to play well as a young guy on mm -hmm. a bad team, and to kind of you're, you're getting your feet wet. You're going through the grind of six months of a, of a marathon for the first time. But yeah, th there is an element of after a couple seasons, I think you kind of get a good feel for what somebody is. So I don't want to say it's necessarily now or never time, but look, specifically Gray is, is 25 years old and, and Ruiz is not far behind him at 24. Yeah, I think it is time now as you pile some innings up to start to show development and growth and if nothing else, maturation and improvement, right? I mean, over the course of the year, I was kind of disappointed at times. And you know this, I'm very high on Josiah, but mm -hmm. Like the, the April to September growth wasn't necessarily what I was hoping for. You know, the, the full season's worth of um, evaluating didn't lead you to yeah. believe that like he was turning huge corners. Right. And sometimes it's hard to literally improve all year. But I, I do think year over year you want to see like last year, as an example, like he gave up way too many home runs. His ex slug was 24th percentile. His walk percentage was 17th percentile. His chase rate was 26th percentile. His barrel percentage was 6th percentile. Yep. Like those numbers all have to improve. You got to be in the strike mm -hmm. zone more. You can't walk people. You got to make them earn it. You got to be in the zone so that you can get some chases. He's got too good a slider, too good a curveball to not be, you know, top half the league at least in chase rate. And he should be in the 75th or so percentile, let alone 26. So, I still have high hopes, but yeah, I think it's a big year for both of those guys. I totally agree with you. 
Yeah, no, you know, I was kind of talking about this and I was also trying to like think about, well, who will be taking that next step? Because between the two of them, I truly think that Kiber Ruiz right now has kind of been the more impact player, especially when you consider that Gray led the entire big leagues in home runs given up. He led the, the National League in walks given up. So, I mean, this is someone who he's got the stuff. And as you said in the podcast about a month ago, you believe in stuff, as I do as well, and he has the stuff. But I also think Kiber Ruiz kind of has that sky-high ceiling that we kind of sleep on almost. I don't know. Yeah, so a couple things. I mean, on Gray, like, well, the reason I haven't given up is is legitimate stuff, to your point. Like, it, it looks mm-hmm. the part. He's an athlete. Yeah. He beats his delivery, fields his position. He, he was, you know, he's a recent non-full-time pitcher, oh, by the way, right? I mean, people, I think, sleep on LeMoyne College, which is in Syracuse, and kind of his background is that of a guy that's still, compared to his peers at his age, kind of in his infancy in terms of being a full-time pitcher. So I think that there can be later growth sometimes in that regard as well. Ruiz, I'm really interested in because to me, he's going to have to hit for a lot more power to be a star catcher. Like there was, there's a lot of reasons to believe he was unlucky last year. I'd be willing to bet. I haven't looked at his like um, batting average balls in play recently enough to remember what it was. Mm -hmm. But I remember his ex batting average uh, was 91st percentile, meaning if you just hit the ball as hard as he does, where he does, as often as he does, on average, you'd be in the top 10% of batting averages in baseball, not for catchers, for anyone. So, like, there was bad luck there. There's plenty of line drives, but like, Mm -hmm. I want more driving the ball, extra base hits home runs in terms of, you know, his offense run production. That's what made him a high-end prospect at one point in time. Exactly. Um, There are some things you like, right? Like he doesn't strike out. I think that's a skill, man. Uh, Only 3% of the players in the sport struck out less than him. He does not swing and miss. Only 6% of guys swing and miss less than him. But he didn't hit the ball hard enough. He's 11th percentile hard hit. You know, he's 33rd percentile average exit velo. He's 11th percentile barrel percentage. Like, that's not enough barrels. Yes, and that's true. That's what I need to see more of from him to feel like you could have a a real standout offensive catcher, which is what he was supposed to be when he was an elite prospect and they acquired him as a centerpiece in the deal they did. Yeah, no, those are all great points, too, because it's like I've always been a key bear guy. Like, I just have always loved him. I love that catching prospect. I've always wanted to get rid of the platoon catching situation and i just want my adley rutschman obviously we're not going to get that with keeper always no one's going to get adley rutschman besides the orioles but yeah, now you better start working on a trade <laughs> with baltimore yeah <laughs> but now i do want to talk about a move that the nationals made for what? someone who is that i know crazy right move? and it's not only did we make a move but we made a move for someone who was in the mvp race in 2020 dominic smith right it happened. I mean, I saw. Okay, before we get into that, I saw people actually high fiving in Nationals Twitter, being like, "This guy finished 13th in the MVP race in 2020," and I'm just like, "Oh, can we can we talk about the last two years, guys? There's a reason that this guy is not signed with the New York Mets. Do you see what Steve Cohen is doing? He doesn't care about money. He would have given him the money if he was good. And we sit here today." One-year, $2 million deal for Dominic Smith, and he's supposedly going to be playing first base for a majority of the time. So 
Do you think, I mean, is this going to be someone that is will be in our starting lineup from day one and potentially ride that first base spot? Yes. I think that he is going to be the everyday first baseman. He's actually a, an excellent defensive player. He, he was mm-hmm. considered when he was drafted. I remember talking to him before he came out in the draft. Um, he was considered one of the best athletes and defensive players at first base in years in his draft class. And I don't know that it's quite played out that way. I, I don't know that he's as elite maybe today as he was at one point in time. They played him at left field a bunch. Obviously, they don't really have a choice with, with Pete Alonso and some of the things that have been going on, but I, I think it's important with this young infield and specifically with CJ Abrams at short to have a first baseman that makes you right. And this is mm-hmm. something I was talking, you and I have talked about a lot. We talked about it last year in the summer. I think CJ Abrams really needed, it would have benefited in the summer last year from someone who was good at first base. They didn't have that, you know, whoever they were playing there, whether it was like Manessis or void, or, I mean, it was a bunch of DH type guys playing first. So I actually really like this idea of having a good defensive first baseman. If Smith plays at the level, I think he's capable of. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason people are high-fiving and, I, and you know, it's funny, you, you join a little bit and I get that, but I mean, that's where we're at. Like it is a really bad time to be a Nats fan and just doing something is interesting, right? Do And let alone doing something where it's a player you've heard of, you know, with all due respect to Jammer Candelario, if you're a, a baseball nut like you and I, we know who that guy is, but like mm-hmm. if you're an average Nats fan who doesn't really play attention to the American league that much, or like you kind of check in and out on baseball other than Nats. But this guy was in the division. He's played at Nats Park a ton. He's been a part of the Mets. You've seen him play when you've gone to games, probably. So, like, it's a familiar name. It's a first-round pick. As you said, it's a guy that had a good season. So, like, that's why Nats fans were excited. But, I mean, look, I know he hit 194 last year. That's really misleading. He's going to be what he's been for much of his career, I think. He's going to hit, I don't know, 240, whatever. Uh, he's going to be a, you know, 720 OPS guy or, or ideally, you know, 715 OPS guy. Hey, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be jumping for joy if we get a 720 OPS. I'm just going to put that out there now. <laughs> You're taking the under on that? I mean, yes, just from what I've seen the last two years. Yeah, it's, it's, it has not been pretty the last two years. I think playing every day could benefit him. One thing I'll say will. is. I saw a lot of people who were saying like, oh, he's left-handed, so you got to platoon him or whatever. He's actually better against lefties than righties. Mm -hmm. And and I'm sure this is something you've covered on the pod already, so I won't go into too much detail. But, I mean, if you look at like two years ago when he was last productive in 21, I think he hit 312 against lefties as a left-handed bat, you know, in 145 games. Uh, I also don't know that he stays healthy. He's never been able to, and he probably doesn't play nearly as much as they'd like him to, but his career Rhino is, is a 730 OPS. And, and we're talking about, you know, 450 games, 1300 plate appearances. So, so that shouldn't be that big of an ask. To, it's also not that impressive, frankly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like we're predicting a 900 off. He can right? hit five home runs. <laughs> yeah. He's going to, if he plays 140 games and hits 12 homers and has a 725 OPS, you know, it wasn't a disaster. That's true. And, you know, real quick before I let you bounce here, all right? Uh, obviously, the Nationals have done nothing this free agency, and we kind of expected that. Do you expect them to do anything else? Like, or is Dominic Smith, Candelario, and Trevor Williams, is that like our big three heading into 2023? That's, that is, that's like <laughs> LeBron and D. Wade and Chris Bosh, man. That not is one, a- not two. That's right. Not three. How many NL East titles will they win with that triumvirate? <laughs> um, 
No, so I believe that they will make another couple of moves like these, to be yep. honest. Um, I, I had a lot of conversations with people around the organization and even some high-ranking folks, and, and I got the feeling coming into the offseason that they were not going to be spending money. Um, mm-hmm. This ownership group, while in the process of selling or whatever is going on right now, is not adding money. They're just not going to spend. So I I kind of thought somewhere in the range of $10, $15 million added to the payroll would be about what I should expect, and it would be a lot of bargain bin shopping. If I had to guess, I would say Mike Rizzo is telling his staff with every player that they're considering signing to one of these nothing burger, one year, $2 million kick the tire flyer contracts. Mm -hmm. Like, is this someone that we could trade for value at the deadline if they're hot? And is this someone better than the 40th man on our 40 man roster? And if the answer to those two questions is yes, then we should give them 3 million or, you know, whatever it is. Exactly. If you're asking me, do I think they're going to drop like a Nelson Cruz kind of deal where they drop, 14 million on someone like later in the off season or something. I would say no chance. Like I would be shocked by that. That's a great point, Grant and Grant. This is fun today, man. It's always fun when you hop on and uh, you have a good one. All right. I'll talk to you you, uh, tomorrow. So enjoy. (laughs) All right, man. I'll see you then. That was Grant Paulson from one Oh six, seven, the fan. And now before we get into some other show topics, I got to tell you guys about my friends, from Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. And if you're making if you're like me where you can eat can go eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then man, I've got just the thing for you. You got to try Built. With Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious you won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. If you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. And now to get back into some other topics, as of course the Nationals are, we're not that far away from pitchers and catchers reporting with the team right now as we sit here today. Because honestly, I was thinking about that and trying to bounce around a topic for spring training. But then again, I think we still got to relax because the Nationals still do have some needs on their big league roster as we sit here today. Because when I sit here today, I still look at left field as being one of the most glaring holes on this team. And in fact, I've even seen some rumbles that the Nationals could be in on some starting pitching. This isn't going to be some world beater starting pitcher. This isn't going to be some big time difference maker. This is not even going to be Trevor Williams on his level. This will be like an Eric Fetty kind of guy. Nothing crazy. But back to left field. I thought Dominic Smith was going to be our left fielder. I truly did. But when meeting with the media, he did indicate that they want him to play at first base, which became a little bit of a shock to me because you heard Grant talk about it. He's a great fielder. He's a good, solid first baseman. In fact, 
coming in the leagues as a first round pick, people thought that he was one of the better defensive outfielder or defensive first baseman in that class. And in fact, in recent years as well. But now it's time to look at left field. And there's this one guy, this one guy that the Nationals should be going after because there is nothing more valuable than getting a veteran guy and then flipping him at the deadline. And that's David Peralta, free agent outfielder right now as we sit here today, still a free agent. And this would just make so much sense for the Nats. It would make way too much sense. In fact, it would make so much sense that I doubt this team freaking does this thing. Because it seems like not much makes too much sense around here anymore. It just doesn't. But truly, when I think about David Peralta, this is someone who truly is your average big league hitter. And some people are saying, like, what's good about that? Well, guys, look around at the team right now. An average big league hitter for the Washington Nationals is A-OK. Earlier today, I saw BetMGM had the Nationals at plus 20,000 to win the World Series. You know who was second to last? The Cincinnati Reds at plus 8,000. That's how bad some of these people think that the Nationals team will be going into this year. We aren't even close in contention. The Cincinnati Reds are blowing us out of the water, and that should not be a sentence that we should be saying that often. No offense, but when you're a big market team, the expectation is you're going to be spending some money, you're going to be improving your team, and then when, also when you're the Nationals, you just had a whole decade run. It's kind of tough to just crap the bed the way that we did. But then again, back to David Peralta, because I see this guy as someone who can help this team, someone who can be a big effect on this roster, someone who can actually help and be a average to an above average big league hitter, which is what this team lacks as we sit here today. Because let's go through it. C.J. Abrams, probably below average right now. But then again, he's a young guy. Luis Garcia, eh, Dominic Smith, not really. Damar Candelario, not really. Victor Robles, definitely not average. Lane Thomas slash Joey Manessis. Joey Manessis, above average if we're going to go by the 60 games that he played last year. Lane Thomas, I'd say he's about average. Fringe, below average. So guys, when we ask about, when I say we just need an average big league hitter on this roster, someone that we know could get a hit every single night, that's not that much to ask for. That's why going for David Peralta, who not only solves your missing left field hole, who not only solves another left-handed bat that this team will need, it's going to be a veteran leader in this clubhouse to guide the younger guys into what they want to do. Someone who's won a gold glove, someone who's won a silver slugger award, someone who's been in the postseason. It does matter. This stuff matters to a team that is looking to build upon to something and really just completely rebuild slash reset whatever you want to call what the Nationals are in right now. So signing someone like David Peralta makes so much sense in the world to where this Nationals team could actually benefit from it for one. And for two, you flip him at the deadline. Because someone who has been as consistent and as solid as David Peralta has been 
People will want to sign him. People will want to trade for him. My apologies. That is value in today's game. Average is value. Consistency is value. And that's what David Peralta is. That's not asking too much from this team. It's not one bit. That's why I try to talk you into this and just say, we need an average hitter right now in this lineup to at least put some wooden stints on this person. Because that's what we need. That's all we need, in fact. So now... Thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. And Locked On MLB Prospect, hosted by Lindsey Crosby, is a prospect encyclopedia. And he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. And it is free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And now I want to get into a prospect that you may be sleeping on because I saw this a little earlier today. And honestly, I was a little shocked by it. In fact, so I was reading a story on MLB.com. And as I was reading that story, I came across this one simple article, just kind of a, you know, an off season guide to where teams are talking when players are talking, you know, it's the offseason. We're in the middle of it. There's going to be a lot of of stories coming out really on whatever they want to be. And I read a story about how Jim Callis from MLB Pipeline doing a little deep dive on some prospects. And here is who he gave out as his Chirios kind of breakout prospect of the year award. And quite frankly, when I was looking at this, it makes so much sense in the world. It makes way too much sense, in fact, because you don't really talk about this guy enough. In fact, we rarely talk about him as we talk about James Wood, as we talk about all the other exciting prospects that we have in this farm system. But he gave the Jackson Trio Award. If you're not familiar with Jackson Trio, he is a top 10 prospect in baseball right now. Really kind of broke out onto the scene in 2022. Showed a lot of power. Showed a ton of different skills that now has him at 10th overall across the entire MLB when it comes to prospects. And this is someone who has the ability to be a top three prospect by the end of the year. He gave Washington Nationals young rookie 18-year-old Christian Vaquero, his Jackson Choria breakout award. This is not someone to when you think about it. Christian Vaquero was signed to about a $4.3 million deal. He was one of the top international prospects out of the 2021 signing period out of Cuba. And guys, this guy is a could be a phenomenon because of what his physical talent showcases in itself. This is someone who's 6'3", someone who has power, someone who can run, someone who plays the outfield. He is a physical specimen when it's all said and done. And I think of all the talk about the prospects that we have, including myself, I think it's easy to leave out Christian Vaquero and what this guy can do. Right now, And on MLB Pipeline, they have him about a 55 hit tool a 60 power tool, a 55 arm, a 55 field, and a 50 overall. And guys, 
the ability, just the talent that Vaquero has with the Nationals, we don't talk about it enough, and that's on me. He's still young. He's still in the DSL. He'll be down in Florida in this spring as an 18-year-old. And man, oh man, the native of Cuba, Christian Vaquero, he's going to be a name to watch for the Washington Nationals moving forward. And just to see someone like Jim Callis talk about this and predict for him to be the breakout guy. And let's just be honest real quick. He's supposed to be a breakout guy. He's supposed to be a top-tier player. We paid him like it, giving him all that money. So the expectations are there for him, but just to see an expert who has seen him in person, who has seen the talent himself, who has talked to scouts around the league to kind of pinpoint our guy, Christian Vaccaro, who is our seventh overall prospect in the national system, according to MLB Pipeline. Man, what can be or what can't be? Because this Nationals farm system has me giddy. And having the second overall pick this year, there's a lot to look forward to. So much, in fact. And we don't even talk about Christian Vaccaro. So the fact of what, what he can be is exciting in itself. And it is certainly something that I'm going to be tracking all season long as I want to talk about Christian Vaccaro truly as much as I can. But thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every day. Next episode, I'll be talking to you next week. Hopefully, we can update you on what the Nationals have been doing this free agency as we have seen some rumors. But ultimately, what will happen, we'll have to see. Now make your second listen locked on MLB prospects as host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow and it is free and available wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in today and I will talk to you next week. Go Nats.